Welcome to Gravetop Church. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove, and today we have a special message for Father's Day titled, A Father's Love. And we're going to be unpacking the the role and relationship between father and children. See, the a, a father is a foundational piece to every single individual's life. It is such a meaningful role that it shapes the very core of our identities. Even for people who have never even met their father, it becomes a major motivator for the decisions and choices that they make in their life. And inwardly, most men, they feel this deep responsibility within their gut of becoming a dad. And the pressure often translates into most men attempting to give the very best of themselves to their kids. And sometimes it's being fun dad, other times it's being the 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 guide, and sometimes it's even being the provider. But see, many dads get in their heads so so into their heads about giving the best of themselves to their kids, so much so that some even get to the point where they begin to think that their kids would be better off without them. Today, we're going to unpack the relationship between a father and their children and how it can affect their lives. Then we're also going to talk about what, what we as men can offer children as their fathers. And as well as uh, we're going to look at how God is the ultimate example of a role model for fathers. And Let's get started with the idea that dads are needed but helpless. <laughs> what I mean that by that is that dads cannot force their kids to do anything. I, I think that <laughs> now that I'm a dad, I understand that with every year that passes by how true that is. I want us to, to, uh, to think about the moments where maybe uh, your kid was born. For me, I, I think about the very first time I had my first baby girl and I was in the room and I was needed in the room. My wife wanted me to be in the room while she's getting ready to give birth. And, you know, there, everyone has different birthing stories. But for me, for us, it was like this moment where she was like really feeling it. Right. And I was trying to just do whatever I possibly could do to help. And I was like, you're doing a super job, honey. <laughs> and there's a point where Lauren was just bring, shut up, don't tell me that. I was like, okay, I just, I won't say anything. Just, just be here with me. And there's like, there's so many moments in which I was trying to be better. And then other moments where it's like, there's nothing that I could do. I was helpless in this process, but I was still needed there. And I feel like once you have children, it's a lot like that at different points. I want to share this story in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 16. This is a powerful story, very common. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. See, this is a moment noted as being the prodigal son where we see Two sons act completely differently according to the relationship with their father. And 
I think as dads, what we often get into is that we want to help guide our kids to make the best decisions. That, that's typically what every dad wants is to for their kids to make great decisions, to do better things than they have done. And not only in this story do we see this, this moment in which the, the, these two sons made decisions on their own. The father didn't have any say-so in his son the younger son making these decisions that ended up positioning himself in this horrible place in life. The other son, same dad, made a lot better decisions. And when we look even all the way back in Genesis, when you look at the first three generations of fathers and families within the founding faith, when we go all the way back to Abraham, we see fathers who did their very best with children who still fought with each other and made mistakes. See, Abraham, he was not only a father of Ishmael, he was not only a father of Isaac, but he was also a stepdad for Lot. And he was a stepping dad for Lot, and he did his very best, and yet Lot still chose to live in Sodom and Gomorrah, a place of of, uh, incredible sin in which Abraham, he lived as a man of faith. He didn't live that kind of lifestyle, but Lot was like, oh, that looks good, that's where I wanna be. Ishmael, still had Abraham as the same dad, and he was rebellious and fought with everyone. He didn't just have fight with his family. He fought with everyone, fought with his dad, fought with his brother. And then we look at Isaac, and Isaac, even when he becomes a father, he sets the example of having only one wife. With Isaac, Abraham, he had Sarah, but he also had Hagar. And that was a dysfunctional relationship. So we see Isaac making this decision to where he only has one wife, And he tries to set the best example of of a healthy marriage for his sons, Esau and Jacob. But even though he set the example of having a different kind of lifestyle so that his children didn't have to deal with what he dealt with, Esau and Jacob took more wives than you can count on your fingers. It's like he, he, they, everything he did to, in order to give them a better life, they didn't really catch, did they? And it, when we follow to Jacob, Not only did Esau and Jacob end up fighting and making some questionable decisions in their lives, but you see that Jacob and his own family, with all of his children, as much as he tried to be a good dad, the children ended up fighting so much with each other that they sold one of the boys into slavery. Like Joseph was literally betrayed by his own brothers, and that was with Jacob being their dad. And so we see time after time that the fathers... Given many fathers make mistakes, just like many children make mistakes, each of these dads made real attempts to give their children something better, a better version of life than what they had as a kid. But even though they tried their best, their kids still made some rough decisions in their lives that were contrary to what they were taught or what they were shown while growing up. And see, so many times we as fathers... We, we think and we feel like everything is riding on us in order for our children to be able to make it in the world. That we have to do our very best for them to come out okay. But you must realize that even though you are, you are incredibly needed, that children need their fathers. Even though you are a necessary part of their lives, you shape so much of their life and their worldview. Be that as it may, your kids are still going to make their own decisions with or without your guidance. We 
We can do our best in guiding them and setting the example, but their lives, their lives are their own to live. We have our own life to live. We can't live it through our children and we can't live their lives for them. I think that this is probably a really good imagery for us to be able to get a glimpse of how God may feel about our decisions. Just any moment that you you feel like you want to control your kid, remember the fact that we make plenty of mistakes in this world, and yet God still gives us free will. He still lets us make choices in this life that even contrary to his guidance, because he sets this, this freedom for us. And I think as dads, there's this balance of guidance and freedom. There's this part where we are needed but helpless in the decisions that our kids make because there's simply times where no matter what you say or do, your kids are still going to choose what they want to choose. We only do our best as being there. But it leads us to our next point, which is being present and available as a dad. See, I think that the most desired father is a present father. And there are so many things that dads can do better or worse, right? I mean, there's one dad that's too soft on their kids. Then there's another dad that's too hard on their kids. There's one dad who spoils their kids. And there's another dad that doesn't give their kids anything. And each have their ups and downs. You got the dad that, that holds their hand all the way to where they don't know what to do without their dad. And then you have the other dad that just pushes them in the pool. All of these, we could argue back and forth of pros and cons and things that work and things that don't. But I think that the list can go on and on about how we could do better as a dad. But I believe that there's one absolute principle that supersedes every other possible thing that we could do as a dad. And that is you simply being present and available being present for your kids and available to your kids. Look in Matthew chapter 27, 40, verse 45 through 46. On the cross, it says, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. And at about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You know, this is Jesus also quoting Psalm 22 that foretold the, this crucifixion of the Messiah. Psalm 22 was written over a thousand years before the crucifixion was ever created. That form of execution was ever created. And in that same chapter, it says, They have pierced my hands and my feet. My tongue clings to my mouth like clay. My skin is like dry baked clay. And see, it was it, Jesus was referencing this verse at the same time crying out, one of the most painful experiences of his life because the one of the most painful experiences for Jesus, the son of God was in the moment that his father, father God had to turn his face from him because Jesus was carrying the weight of sin, the sin of the world. And see, it shows that even as the land, the land itself reflects this moment in which God has to turn his face from Jesus. When it says that all darkness consumed the land, and you can almost heal, hear this anguish in his soul when he's really just crying out, Where are you? Where are you? My father, where are you? And it was after this moment that Jesus died. Think about that. He was beaten, whipped, and cru crucified. He experiences all this pain. But in this moment where he has this full realization that his father is not there with him, that his father is not available to him, not present for him, he gives up his spirit. He gives up his life. And see, it shows that this passage, it shows the great power in life 
behind the simple presence of having one's father near. See, with our dads near us, available and present to us, we find purpose, we find that drive, we find motivation, we find desire, direction in life. We find so much more through simply having father present in our lives. And for people, when we don't have a dad near us, when we don't have dads present, it statistically shows how much harder one has to fight, how much harder they have to find their place in the in the world, how much more it takes for them to find themselves and who they are because fathers are so pivotal even if it is simply just being present and available. You will make life so much easier for your kids. Will you be able to make it if you don't have your dad around? Of course, but it's harder. Anyone without their dad around can tell you that it's harder. You can do so much by simply making it your mission as a dad. If you don't know how to do anything else as a dad, make it your mission to be present and available for your kids. Now let's talk about one last thing about a father, the love of a father, and that is redemption and compassion, being a redemptive and compassionate father. See, kids will never have another dad. You may have other kids, but they will never have another dad. And sometimes dads make mistakes. Sometimes children make mistakes. And it's easy to allow those mistakes to cause resentment, to cause confusion within the relationship. And there's so many times or years of missed opportunities, years of meaningful moments that we we miss out on be, because of mistakes that have been made. And we have to remember that nobody is perfect. Not one single person is perfect. Your kids aren't perfect. Your dad isn't perfect. But the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. And and let's finish where we left off on that prodigal son. We just left off with him eating some pig pods. In Luke 15, 17 through 24, it says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, "At, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. Now, remember, in this story, I think we could we could say a lot of things. I think the biggest mistake is made by the son here. And the fact that his son just goes. We could draw a lot of conclusions about the dad too. And the fact that, again, this is an allegory that Jesus is giving. But... We see that the dad, he's kind of like loose-handed. It, it, it didn't seem like he gave much fight when his son said, give me this, give me this, and sent him on his way. It seems as though he shouldn't have just given it because it ruined his life. We could say all we want about who is bigger at making mistakes here, but what we see here is in this moment, while his fa- father saw him coming a long way off, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. See, this moment, it shows that this powerful, powerful redemption 
where there was no, the father at this point doesn't say, I told you so. The father didn't say, oh, look who came back. I, see, now you're going to say that I was right. It is this moment where it's pure redemption and compassion. And see, in the moments of strong disagreement, some, sometimes you have to ask yourself, what battle do you really want to win here? What battle is it that you're really fighting? Do you, do you want to be right or do you want to have a relationship with your kid? I feel like this is one of the most powerful things that I have learned as a dad, even as a foster dad, is there's moments where I've made big mistakes and I look back and I think I would have rather lost that battle of being right and still have my kid. Y'all dig what I'm saying? I would have rather have just, if I was more patient, if I would have not been so quick to get upset or angry, even though I had a right to be angry, I would have rather lost that battle so I could have won the battle of having that relationship still. And you have to decide what's most important. See, you don't have to change your morality. You don't have to change your character in order to have open arms to your kids. Your kid, like we said, your kids are going to make their own decisions. And you could still not agree with something that they did or do, but have open arms for redemption and compassion at the same time, regardless if their choices work out for them or not, regardless if they succeed or fail at whatever it is that y'all disagree about. See, this same kind of redemptive love is what we find in God. It's what he has shown us because we were all rebellious against God. There's not one perfect person. There's not one of us that were perfect sons or perfect childs for God our Father. And yet, even in our imperfections, he received us with open arms. Even right now, he will receive you. If you have not turned to God, if you have not called on him, Jesus as your Savior, if you have not called on God to be your Father, he exchanges our mistakes for compassion. He exchanges our sins for compassion and redemption. It's just as our kids will never have another dad, you and I will never have another creator. We will never have a a, a heavenly father, another heavenly father. I, I urge you to trust in him because he cares for you as his own child. Just as our hearts, when we feel this wedge between us and our children, we feel this burden. We feel this burden. There's that same burden between us and God. And God has removed the wedge of sin between us and him through Jesus. And he's made a way for us to be adopted into his family. And the Bible says in the book of Romans, that if you just simply believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is if you have a genuine heart and talk to him yourself. Just like in this story, the son had to talk to the father himself. And even though sometimes we we put that conversation off because we fear, we are afraid of the things that we've done. We are afraid how God will respond to us. But God shows us this imagery. He shows us this story. This, this story that Jesus shares is the same way that he says, this is how the kingdom of God is like. And so if he shows this story of how God, how this father receives the son with open arms, so God will receive you. But you have to talk to him yourself. If you do that with a genuine heart, that's all it takes to start this relationship with him. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can have that conversation yourself. I urge you, have that conversation today. Don't let another day go by. What better day than Father's Day? What better day than right now? Whatever time you're listening to this, right now, what better time than now? So if that's you, I urge you to do it. All that being said, 
I'm so grateful for you guys being a part of our online community. If this ministry has made an impact on your life and you want to help us to continue making an impact on others, uh, other people's lives, you can do that by donating to Gravetop Church. All you have to do is go to gravetopchurch.com, click the donate tab, and you're able to give online. You're also able to give through third-party apps like Venmo and Cash App by just searching at Gravetop Church. Uh, with the topic of giving, we never want anyone to feel pressured or persuaded to give when they don't want to. It should be done out of your own heart, out of your own free will. The Bible says don't give out of compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. And that's because it's a simple act of worship. It's to be done out of the genuineness of your heart. It, it, it's a it's a way that we worship God and connect with Him and the fact that the, when we give, we become more like God and the fact that He first gave to us. But it also truly does help us as a church to continue to grow and continue making a difference in other people's lives. Thank you so much for tuning in to this message. Until next time, have a good rest of your day.